This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 107 of Stacey West Podcast. I know I said last week it was 107 but it was actually 106 um, and Gaz has been very helpful in reminding me of that tonight. So uh, how you doing mate? You alright? I'm still smarting from your comment off air. Well, you know, you 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 give it. You've got to be able to take it. I give it on air in a jesting, <laughs> jovial way. You do it in a snidey way off air, so the listeners still think that you're a paragon of virtue. I'm not a paragon of virtue. Who gave you give me that idea? No, the, the listeners think poor Ben. I feel sorry for poor Ben, but off air, you're sticking the boot in, aren't you? Yeah, I just, I just poke. I just poke the bear just enough so yeah. that when it comes to on air, I get all the you know get all the blowback. <laughs> so how are we doing you well uh yes mate yeah yeah i'm good thank you i uh it's been a busy week actually i did a, a sunderland podcast yesterday mm-hmm. uh, obviously tuesday we had a game which we shall we shall talk about um so yeah it's been a, a lincoln city dominated week but when we're doing as well as we are mm-hmm. nobody cares about it being dominated by football do they Absolutely not. I mean, it was. Um, we'll we'll touch on um, the Rochdale game first off because obviously um, we we've sort of moved recordings over to Thursday now to be a bit more consistent and also to kind of fit in with with schedules a little bit more. Um, and it, it gets to that point, doesn't it, where you're talking about Saturday's game on a Thursday when you've also had a Tuesday game to talk about, and it's it, it's the relevance of it is decreasing a little bit. So. We'll we'll talk about it briefly. Um, I mean, obviously, I think everything that you needed to know about the game came from the fact that the highlights video didn't have anything from Rochdale attacking at all. It was all Lincoln City attacks uh, for the entire game. Um, And, yeah, I I thought, again, and it seems to be a bit of a stuck record at the minute, but I thought we were well-deserving of the win. I thought, you know, gave a really, really good showing, some really nice football being played. and Lewis Monsma again popping up and showing <laughs> that he's actually he could probably play anywhere on the field if he wanted to. Um, I mean, your your take on uh, your take on Rochdale? 
Yeah, first of all, I'm quite surprised that you didn't mention James Jones's goal because didn't we have a conversation last we week did. about James Jones <laughs> over Theo Archibald, which Kate very kindly reminded me of almost as soon as James Jones got back <laughs> of the net. Um, but you know, we the, the conversation was more or less that those two players both looked like they might score goals very soon, and so James Jones, um, it was a peach of a goal, and mm. you know, there's there's always elements of goals that some people don't pick up on. You know, like in the Forest Green game. Um, everyone was talking about George Grant's goal. It got goal of the month, but there was those two um, back heels in Anthony Scully's goal. I just thought, do you know what? They're footballers' goals. They're goals that when you score them, mm. the whole team kind of walks away going, we've had something to do with that. Whereas, you know, George Grant's was a crowd pleaser. Mm. And I felt that James Jones's goal, because you've there talked about the monster goal quite rightly, superb goal. He's popped up, he's written the headline. But when you actually look at the James Jones goal as a team collective, there'll be a lot of very happy people there, not least Conor McGrandles, because mm. McGrandles assisted in that goal without touching the ball with his little kind of step over dummy. It was just... For me, it's those goals which appeal more than the the kind of the long range blasts. Mm. I take I take your point about Rochdale. I think they can feel a little bit hard done by um, in not even having one chance on the highlights. I mean that's very very rare. I don't know if the editor was a a Lincoln fan or not um, mm. because you know they did have a shot on target and there was one opportunity I think where they kind of got away in the area where you thought they might score and didn't mm. um, and. Yeah, you know, they they weren't great. I think that we said on air last week. You know, you've you, if you want to go up or you want to challenge for promotion, you've got to be beating the likes of Rochdale. Um, and you know that's no disrespect intended. I think they they fell away as an attacking force when Ollie Rathbone went off. Um, mm-hmm. I really quite I quite like Rathbone. I think I picked him out ahead of the game as as a player that I'd I'd kind of kept an eye on. And I thought when he went off injured, that kind of effectively ended uh, their assault on the game. Um, but we had to be we we weren't clinical but we we did enough um you know we took i mean the monster goal came from nowhere let's be honest yeah yeah. Um, but the you know the james jones goal was well worked but i think what was it 12 shots six on target um we're creating we're not conceding it's a good recipe yeah absolutely i think it was um it it was one of those games where it was hard to pick out the man of the match for you know the the, the best reasons. I know we've had a, a few games, particularly last season, where we've said on air you know that it's it's a difficult one to choose because they didn't necessarily have the best game or you know the the team didn't really perform as well as we'd have expected them to. But the past two games in particular, I think they they've really been well, maybe not so much Tuesday nights because there's one player that I, I know we definitely want to be talking about, but. I think Saturday's game was was definitely one of those team performances where I think everyone can come away from it and and be pleased with how they you know how they performed and and the uh, you know the, the scoreline reflected that. So yeah, um, I, I think I think I mean I, I chatted to James Jones um, on uh, Monday or Tuesday for the program um, tomorrow, as you're probably listening to this. And, you know, I think he's he's delighted to have got on the score sheet in the league. Obviously, he scored in the League Cup and the FA Cup um, and he put a penalty away in the EFL trophy in a penalty shootout. So he's kind of he's been in and around it. Um, but, you know, we, we said on air last week, you know, he'll get a goal and then it will start flowing. And I think his most prolific season was 11 in the season for crew. And I, I don't see any reason why James Jones can't reach eight or nine goals this season. He's on three at the moment. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think he's been getting his eye in. He was telling me about the uh, the training that they do after hours, which I won't go into too much detail because obviously buy the programme and you'll be able to read it. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do these interviews and sell the club down the river by explaining everything that the guy puts in the uh, interview. Uh, but it's really interesting to hear um, the kind of some of the drills and some of the extra efforts being put in in order to become more clinical. And it's something that you and I have spoken about on the podcast, isn't it? That, mm-hmm. you know, if only we score, if only we could put the ball in the net, we'd still be in the FA Cup. We would because we were better than Plymouth and we lost 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to hear that they're working on it and it was really satisfying from from my point of view and, and a supporter's point of view to see James Jones's goal because I thought it was wonderful and I know Monsma writes the headlines um, and I actually think that helps because it takes the pressure off some of the other players yeah um, a little bit and I, I, Tom Hopper I think that was I think it was that game was it that game where Tom was absolutely excellent mm. yeah um, yeah I thought he had a good game on Saturday yeah so they they you know, the, the games kind of blur into one a little bit when they're coming so thick and fast. Mm. You know, it's easy. The, the Saturday game always seems a long way away. Um, so I think it's it's nice for Tom to be putting a shift in and getting the recognition for what he does, um, not what people perceive that he doesn't do. Yeah, 100%. It was, uh, you know, three points in the league, obviously very important. And then um, Tuesday night went into the, uh, the pizza trophy, as it's being referred to. Yeah just makes me laugh like doesn't make me laugh lazy <laughs> yeah I, I i mean yeah the papa john's trophy been worse auto windscreen shield ldv vans yeah uh, johnson's paint i mean it, yeah i just I, I get it people kind of deride the trophy a little bit but um yeah i'll call it the efl trophy i won't i don't normally use the sponsor's name if i can help it but it's an important competition and unfortunately i think people devalue it a little bit and in devaluing the competition they devalue the performances that a team puts in mm. um, and we're about to wax lyrical probably for the next 10 15 minutes about one so yeah and, and you know and i i've sort of said this to you and i think i texted you at the time um during the game that it was a game that you know we had a few bits on and i, I wasn't 100 percent sure if we were going to a get the time to watch it or b you know if i had the inclination to watch it but about five minutes before kickoff, I thought, ah, sod it, you know, it's a tenner, we'll stick it on iFollow. And I'm so glad that we did, because what a performance that was. And I mean, you know, I think the the, the reason beforehand was going to be one of those of, well, it it's probably going to be a bit of a second string and, you know, don't know how seriously they're going to take it. But just the pace that was, you know, on the show on Tuesday night was absolutely incredible. Um, Zach Elbazidi was uh, he was a man possessed, you know. I think he is he is now. If that's not him sort of trying to stake a claim for a regular start, or you know, at least being considered for it, I don't know what would be because he his his pace is absolutely frightening, isn't it? It's just phenomenal. It is, yeah. I mean, well, there's quite a few things that I'm interested in picking up on in the Shrewsbury game, but certainly Zach Elbazetti has got to be first. Um, and I don't think it's as much from staking a claim for a first team place, uh, because I think it was, will be difficult for Michael to to go right now. I'm going to give you a start against Sunderland because, mm. you know, he rested some players and, and it, it is despite us having a relatively small squad. You know, the competition for a place in the first team is huge. But mm. what it does suggest is actually we could use him for the last 10, 15 minutes if he's going to display that pace. And let's be honest, that's the first time as Lincoln fans we've seen Zach Elbazetti make a positive contribution 
in my opinion, to um, a competitive game. I thought he was excellent in pre-season, um, but he was anonymous after moving at the end of last season. And we've seen that in the past. You look back to the likes of Tom Pep, and Tom Pep came in, he was anonymous from January through till May. Um, so I think sometimes, you know, you have to consider players settling in, especially young players as well. Yeah. Um, and, and as I understand it, Zach is a player who takes um, negatives to heart. Now, I don't know him personally. I have interviewed him before. But the feeling that I get from around the camp is that he's the type of player, you know, you know some need a boot up the arse and some need an arm around the shoulder. And I, mm. I, I get the impression that Zach's an arm around the shoulder type. Um, I, I, what it does show is there was two fringe players there who, you know, if I had seen them coming on in the latter stages of the game against Rochdale with us, or let's go back a little bit further, the latter stages of the game against Accrington, mm-hmm. um, which we drew 0-0 and needed to chase a game. If I saw Remy Howarth or Zach Elbazetti at that point warming up on the sidelines, I wouldn't instantly think, actually, they could change the game. Mm. Whereas if I see them warming up 0-0 against Sunderland, 20 minutes to go, and I see Zach Elbazetti warming up on the sidelines, I'm going to think, actually, he's got what it needs to change the game. That's yeah. what he did. On Tuesday, he did. Michael and the team will know exactly what Zach Elbazet is about. They will see it in training day in day out. What he's done, what he's done is he's shown us actually mm. this is what I'm about, and I think that's quite exciting if he can do it again. Yeah, totally. I mean, the it was. I think uh, from from what I understand about the Shrewsbury lineup as well, that was very much uh, that was kind of a second string as well. Um, so in in some respects, we're not going to be able to get. A massive measure of you know the the team that we're going to be talking about next week or well you know potentially at the end of this podcast but it's um it it just seems to be that we we just didn't give them a chance you know obviously they, they got one back but i think every time uh every time we got the ball and started moving forward we really did look dangerous and it was more or less entirely due to that pace i mean you look at the um I can't remember which goal it was now, but you, you look at one of the goals and you, we've got three people sprinting forward in Zach Albazetti, uh, Brennan Johnson and, oh no, sorry, uh, Zach Albazetti, Anthony Scully and Harry Anderson. They were all sprinting to keep up, you know, with, with the play. And it was, you, you could see the, almost you could see the fear in the Rochdale players from, you know, from the YouTube video. It was just incredible to watch. Um, and then, oh, it, it was Zach's goal because obviously it went across and then it came back and, um, you know, and then Zach nodded it in. But just it, the the pace that was available and, and on display on Tuesday night is something that we've always, I think we've always not assumed to be in the squad, but we've we've seen in glimpses. But I think on Tuesday night it was fully on display and it really opened up the game and it gave us a a bit of a new way of, of, of playing. I mean, I, I know that we've, we tend to move the ball quite quickly anyway. Um, someone that uh, someone that I know that doesn't normally watch League One football watched um, one of the games the other week and came back to me and said that was that was high tempo, like compared to what they were used to seeing. They said that was that was quick. And then you know we we have the moves that we were able to put together on Tuesday night because of the pace that we had down the wings. It was just really, really, really nice to watch. Yeah, I think I, I think pace is only any good if it's pointed pace. I mean, I think back to yeah. players like Kevin Gall. Yeah, Kevin mm-hmm. Gall was like shit off a shovel. But to be honest, you know, I would have piled him up in one corner like I do with most of the composting and left him there, um, however <laughs> quick he was. Whereas you know, you've got to have pace with a purpose, and that's yes. not just when you're running with the ball. That's you know, you've got to know that your teammates are going to pick out those runs. I mean, Zach's break was was something else, but. 
you know, let's not just uh, kind of lump pace on Zach's shoulders because actually I thought there was some really clever play from him. There were some decent deliveries from the flank. Mm-hmm. Um, he had missed a header earlier on. I mean, he, he yeah, he was, it was quite critical, I think, at one point on the radio about um, Zach saying, you know, he should have done better with the header. And Mark Hone's quite an analytical commentator. You know, he's, he sounds very critical when he's actually not being. Mm. Um, I think he was doing it with Teo Eden against Rochdale as well. Yeah, in the game, yeah, yeah. Teo had a good game. And that's not a criticism of Mark Hone. It's just kind of, I think it's his commentary style. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at, at Zach kind of getting on the end with two crosses for the headers, and they were both lifted right up and over the back. That was intentional. That's looking for the runners cutting in from, from outside. And it's like you say, we the pace is a side of the game that I think we've had all the time. Um, you know, Brennan Johnson was quick against Blackpool. They couldn't do anything with him. Harry Anderson is quick when he gets going. We know that as well. Um, but it's the different types of pace. And that sounds yeah. that might sound stupid, but like Harry's pace is, if something's in my way, I'll run into it, pace. <laughs> Brennan Johnson's pace is, I will run at you with pace and then I will dip left or right and you won't know which way to go. Zach's yeah. was just, I'm running and you're not going to catch me. And I think yeah. that's something that we've really got. And Theo Archibald is quick as well. I know I talk about him quite a bit and he, it was a massive loss for him on Tuesday night because that was a game that he, he should have been in Zach Albazetti's place. Uh, do you remember that's football but it, those options are exciting you know we I still think that we are a tiny bit light up front um but it's you know I, I say that after we've just turned in our our most kind of uh our, our best xg performance mm. um of the season 3.85 to, to four goals so you know we, we we performed as we were expected to 13 shots on target um which is you know absolutely phenomenal we only had 14 in the three previous games on target yeah i mean that that just sums up the game doesn't it like we um i think as we came off the field mark Hone said you know that we were just too good like lincoln city were too good for for shrewsbury and I, when was the last time that you you really heard that from from anybody really you know in, in terms of a lincoln team being just way too good for the opposition it's it's Horace green fa cup shit <laughs> you know but I, Bradford I, League Cup I'm going to edit this bit out <laughs> <laughs> that, do you know what, you know I, what I, I mean though do I you understand what, I mean? what you mean what, what you mean is not when was the last time that we heard it literally you mean that um, uh, you know, as a as a collective this season, yes, we are regularly better than the teams that we are playing uh, mm. in the way that we're playing our football and the way that we attack. And you know, we've now got what three, four wins on the bounce. Would that be right? Four mm. wins and a part. If you don't know, because obviously there's the uh, FA Cup defeat, but uh, three league wins on the bounce. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, it, it was just. It was really nice to see, and I think the the thing that really struck me as well was, um, you know, Remy Howarth starting. I think he, um, he he started to make an impression on you know on me. I think the um, there was a few instances where he had a shot that you know maybe he didn't quite get behind it as much as he needed to, or you know he didn't quite get the power behind it. But I think he grew into the game a little bit, um, and it was really nice to see him get a goal uh, towards the end. Um, but the, the, the I think the moment that kind of summed up the game for me and, you know, the, the spirit in the team is when um, Brennan Johnson made a really impressive tackle in the you know, in midfield and then got like won the ball back 
then had a you know dragged it back and basically left his man for dead went up the other end and i think that was when he won the penalty wasn't it no was that uh was that was not it, was it remy's goal, goal? Yeah, it was a, he won the goal, ball. With, didn't yeah. he win the ball with the tackle? And then somebody he won the tackle, and then it was passed back to him, and he pirouetted round the player. Yes, that's right. Yeah, surged forward about seventy yards. Yeah, picked out Zach, and then I mean Zach's cross actually was a little fortuitous um, to fall to Remy, but it was a nice finish. I mean, I, do you know what? I actually think the second part of the season, depending on how our transfer policy is in the summer, uh, in the summer, in the winter rather, I actually think Remy would benefit from regular League Two football out on loan. Um, I think he's a player that uh, is, has got bags of potential. Arguably, you know, aside from the next round of the EFL trophy, is he going to get any more than 15 minutes here or 10 minutes there? The same could be said for Zach, but with the wingers and pace, you're more likely to see those players coming on. And, you know, if we yeah. go into a game with Howarth Archibald and, and El Bezzetti on the bench, mm. They're not all going to get on. Um, and, you know, you probably have Anthony Scully thrown in there as well, because although he was excellent, you know, Tom Hopper's going to start as number nine on on Saturday against Sunderland, you would imagine. Mm. So, a lot of competition for places, huge amount of competition for places. And I just think if if Remy Howard is going to develop into a player that we want to keep next season, um, Michael might want to see him get some more senior football um, in the second part of the season. Mm. Yeah, and you know, obviously it's going to benefit everyone isn't it you know we've seen we've seen what loans can do for players that that go out and then you know come back stronger with it so um right can i pick up as well on possession yes absolutely right, because um people talk about possession and teams tend to have a style so when we go into a game michael will often say you know this team likes a lot of possession so they'll have the ball or they won't have a ball. And what we do, what I'm really impressed with is the way that we adapt either way. And I've been looking over some of the stats. And I'm, Against Shrewsbury, we had less possession, won the game. Against Rochdale, we had marginally less possession, won the game. But against Wigan and Swindon, we had more possession in both of those games um, by, a little, by, by a bit of a distance, actually, and won those games as well. So what I'm really impressed with is the way that we adapt to the other team and are still able to go out and get the result. Um, and I think that you know, a lot of teams are possession-based teams, so they do really well when they have possession, but then perhaps not so much when they don't. And th- that kind of takes me to, and I know it's quite an odd comparison maybe, but Burnley in the FA Cup is a classic example that they were a team that, you know, they were, they were great in the Premier League without possession. That's what they did. But when it came to playing a side like us, where they were going to have more possession, they didn't have the tools to then adapt and change their game um, to beat us mm. and I think you see that you tend to see that sometimes when Northampton win a game that you don't expect them to against a team who are a bit higher up it's actually because the team who are higher up, higher up don't know how to adapt to play against Northampton who have mm. little possession and get the ball forward quickly and it's why the likes of John Beck was was so um, successful with Cambridge is because you know yeah teams couldn't adapt to play against them I really like how adaptable this Lincoln City team is. And then in complete contrast to that, what I've just said, which made, it almost sounds contradictory, I'm also really impressed with the way that nothing ever changes. So but It's like Michael said, isn't it? He said on... Um... You know, on on Tuesday, said so that the changes that they made didn't change anything, yeah. and it was a it was a really strange comment. But then you actually think about it, you think, oh no, I I get what he means. It's like he's got a system, and he fits the players into the system rather than he has players, and then he makes a system based on those players. 
yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sing my own praises, but I'm going to um, <laughs> because it's something that I've actually picked up on before in Match Day Live, and I can't remember the game. Something tells me that it may have been Accrington, but I might be wrong. It was a game where Lewis Monsman missed out, and I think TJ Ioma played in uh, central defence instead. Mm. Um, and basically, I said on Match Day Live, what you will see is pretty much more of the same. In the, um, I don't think it was Accrington, actually, but anyway, you will see <laughs> the same 30-yard cross-field balls coming from the feet of Ioma, as you will, Monsma, because although we're praising Monsma for it and he's great at it, in actual fact, it's that position that you're expected to play those balls. It's not that Lewis Monsma's expected to play them, and if a player comes in his place, they'll then play their game. So mm. each of those positions is very clearly defined. And bear in mind, you know, we were 4 3 3 against Shrewsbury. I think Rochdale, we were a kind of a 4 1 4 1. Against Wigan, we tweaked it and went 4-2-3-1 for a majority of the game. So even though we're kind of slightly changing the system, even though we're adapting the way that we have the ball, we retain the ball, or we're adapting how we are without the ball to fit the opposition, we're still playing very similar patterns as well. And it's impressive. And there are different elements. Like you put Brennan Johnson in midfield, you're going to get more surging runs through the middle than let's say you're going to get with Conor McGrandles. But, you know, I, I just consistency is king and and if you're consistent and you're doing the right things and getting results um that's impressive and to be able to do the right things uh is impressive and i know that it was uh, i can't remember now who said it but i should do the definition of madness is doing the same things and expecting a different outcome well actually if the outcome is what you want you keep doing the same things the definition of madness would be changing your approach um when you're winning and it's you know people say never change a winning team, and in actual fact that's true. But it's not in terms of personnel with this Lincoln City. Never change what we're trying to do, do as a collective. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think you'll find it was, uh, I believe it was Vast from Far Cry Three that said that. Yeah, I I, I think somebody said it before <laughs> him, Ben. Um, I I think I'm being I, facetious, guys. I, are you? And on air as well, which is unlike you. I actually think it was Albert Einstein. Uh, who said it which kind of shows the difference in level between you and I (laughs) pretty much um but yeah I I just thought you know to a man on Tuesday night I I couldn't really fault um I couldn't really find a fault with anybody I thought um you know TJ Omer is a, a player that's really really I wouldn't I wouldn't say flying under the radar but he he definitely doesn't seem to be mentioned in a lot of the uh you know the uh the, the post-match stuff and you know saying oh he was brilliant in this but he kind of you've said before that if you get that player that's a seven or an eight every week you know that's the kind of player that you want in your team and I think Aoma is that player for me at the moment he, he sort of he seems to be putting in good performance after good performance you know he'll put in a absolute crunching tackle if he needs to but at the same time you know he'll he'll chase down uh, he'll chase down balls he'll uh, get down the wing if he needs to as well, and you know, obviously he was playing you know centre back on on Tuesday night, but I, I think he is a player that is is going to be key for you know where we are and where we want to be um, at the minute. And it's it's quite funny actually because I've got a couple of um, Spurs supporting friends, and every so often they'll just send me a message like, "How's Ioma getting on?" You know, I think there's a real interest um, 
in the Spurs side, um, you know, particularly the the, the fan uh, you know, fan base for Spurs to to see how he gets on because it sounds like he's going to be he's being tipped for something um, over there. So just yeah, was really impressed with him on Tuesday night, and also Robbie Gotts. Um, I know Mark Home was waxing lyrical quite a lot about Robbie Gotts, um, but again, I, I thought he had a tremendous game. I uh, talking to Spurs youngsters. I actually really liked the lad that they had. Shrewsbury had the Shil- Shiloh Tracy who got their goal. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. He's not getting in the team for them, and Steve Cottrell was co- um, kind of um, condemning him, saying he has to add elements to his game to become a decent player. Take some come to Lincoln City, lad, because we've got a coach who will add those elements to your game. He's seen it with George Grant, so don't Absolutely. don't don't sit on the sidelines at Salop scoring. Like five goals in eight appearances, and then letting Jason Cummings lumber around up front, who incidentally looked like he had put on, he looks unfit. I mean, Jason Cummings was a £1 million striker uh, when he left Hibernian for Forest, and I thought he was utter shit on um, <laughs> Tuesday. I, he was, you know, he's more interested in his tattoos. We've talked about him before, haven't we, with the tattoo on his hand that he puts over his mouth when he scores yep. his goal. And I know he'd got a great big one on his leg now. Then I looked at him and he looks, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fat shamer. He looked chunkier and he looked laboured. And I just thought, what a waste of talent. What, what have you done, man? You know, you filmed yourself smashing up your flat and it's been on the news and you're a one million pound striker. But then Ben Hutchinson was a one million pound striker. And genuinely, I've had more useful turds. I've had more useful turds today than Ben Hutchinson. I'm not going to ask you what you've done with your turds, but instead, um, I think we should probably look forward to uh, to Sunderland because um, I think Michael said again, this is the kind of game that is that, you know, it's that stick in the ground, isn't it? It's that that benchmark that you try and set yourself. Um, it's that, that point at which we think, right, are we genuine contenders? And from the stuff that you've been writing and the conversations that we've had, there's that little bit of hope and belief creeping in, isn't there? And Saturday is one of those moments to prove it. Well, there would be if we beat Sunderland, would be eleven points clear of them, um, <laughs> which which would be phenomenal. Um, it's going to be a challenge. They've not actually lost away from home yet this season. They're the only team um, who have not lost away from home. Everybody else has has lost one at least one game at home, and everybody else has lost at least one game away. And they are the only side who are unbeaten uh, away from home. Three wins and four draws. They've only conceded four on their travels as well, which is interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I did a, as I said, I did the Sunderland podcast last night and uh, it, just listening to them kind of brought it home a little bit. They were talking about when we were in the championship and when they were in the Premier League and that sort of thing. And I'm I'm sat there thinking when we were playing Boreham Wood and, and <laughs> when we were playing Whitehawk. So, but football moves quickly. And, you know, I, I, I think we did a podcast last year where we were mentioning Sunderland and I did that kind of... Um, um, QI thing where we're talking about, you know, Sunderland are bigger than us. Well, 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 it doesn't matter. They're not. They're ninth. We're second. So in actual fact, it's a game we should win. doesn't matter how many. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? doesn't matter yeah, how yeah. many fans they get. doesn't matter anything else. You know, since we've beaten them 2-0. So we beat them 2-0 at Sinsel Bank last season. And they're on their third manager because they had Jack Ross in charge. Of course, yeah. He was sacked at the end of the game. Phil Parkinson took over. So if you wonder if Sunderland fans want to know why they're not doing well, they sacked Jack Ross when he was sixth in the table. Mm. Um, they were two points outside the playoffs under Phil Parkinson, and they've now sacked him when they're ninth in the table. So yeah, if you really need a point of Sunderland fans um, mm. or Sunderland owners, and I think they know it. You know, I think they know that they're a team that 
or with the greatest respect are on their arse a little bit and (laughs) well they are and normally when you see a team like this drop into league one and it's happened in the past sheffield wednesday wolves nottingham forest leicester city leeds united sheffield united big clubs all drop into league one almost to without exception two seasons and they're back in the championship usually one season to kind of acclimatize and go oh dear this is where we are next season gone Sunderland haven't done that um they've got some great players they've got some average players who they think are great and I think I think this game's probably coming at the right point for us. I had a conversation earlier in the week with someone who said that they felt it might not be because it might be the first chance Lee Johnson has got to work with his players and and, and get ideas into them. I think, actually, if you look, it, it takes a little bit longer than a week or two hmm. or a week, as it will be, uh, to get the ideas in. He is looking at putting consistency in. So they've been 4-3-3 for the last two games. Before that, they've been 3-4-2-1-3-5-2-3-1-2-4-6-9-7-8, whatever. They've played so many different formations. I think even the players had lost count. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, they've got some, they've got, they have got some good players. Aidan McGeady is back in the side. Mm-hmm. Um, he is without a doubt the best player in League One on his day, even at, you know, however old he is now, 35, 34, uh, undoubtedly a good player. Charlie Wyke um, has been, I think, on the bench a bit. Chris Maguire, decent League One player. You know, we'd have him in our squad. Will Grigg, he needs a goal, I keep being told, but they've told said that for a couple of uh, seasons now. I was interested because they were saying about their lack of pace in midfield. They're saying they've got great ball players in midfield, um, but they do lack a bit of pace. Grant Ledbitter plays the holding role in the four three three. You know, and I mean I think I think he's older than me, I think. <laughs> and they were saying then if they've got that lack of pace in midfield no reason why you know why we can't give Lee Johnson the second defeat of his managerial Sunderland managerial career. Yeah, I mean it's um, it, it's interesting to hear you sort of say that coming from uh, from from the Sunderland fans because that that lack of pace and you know obviously what we've just basically spent the first fifteen minutes of the podcast talking about. Um, that that could be the key to unlocking it. And I know obviously Michael will have done his homework and he'll have, you know, put two and two together, hopefully to equal four. And I think if we use that pace, and like you said earlier, if we use that direction and that, you know, that sort of pointed pace, um I'm actually feeling kind of confident. And I know I, I think it might just be the fact that, you know, reading some of the stuff you've been putting out and looking at other things as well and primarily not being on Twitter has made things a little bit more positive for me in the past couple of weeks. And it's like, I'm starting to think that dare, dare we start to dream and dare we start to believe in, in, you know, in Lincoln city, because it's, it's been, we've had that moment before where we, we didn't, you know, we, we sort of got to the point. So, Oh, great. Okay. Screwed it up again. And then we've had that period of success. And obviously now it's a different era, a different managerial you know, regime, and it's like, well, what what Michael Appleton has done so far with the limited budget that he's got is it can't really be understated, and I, I can't see any reasons to why we can't beat Sunderland. It's it's frightening. I'm I'm believing in things, Gaz. Help. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's no reason why we can't beat them because we're second and they're ninth. Um, they're not on a great run. But again, let's not get complacent. Um, I mean, when you look at, at their squad, as I've said, they've got that many options up front. It's almost embarrassing because they've got Will Grigg, Charlie White, Danny Graham, um, all offering something different. They've then got a young lad called Jack Diamond who was out on loan at Harrogate last season. Uh, who's just started coming into the side, he's going to potentially bring the pace. I don't see them being a particularly quick team. Um, I mean, I think McGeady probably still has has pace, but he's got moments of magic as well. So it'll be a tough afternoon for TJ Ioma, who I, don't, I would imagine would play at right back in a, against a 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. We're certainly going to look to, to match them in midfield for... For pace, as I've said, but you know, Josh Scowan is a is a kind of a committed box to box player who plays in midfield for them. I think he was at QPR. Max Power, um, I think has got a name, a name that sounds. I know it every sounds like time. A, it, it every sounds time like a porn it's star to me. <laughs> it just reminds me of um, the, there's a Simpsons episode where Homer's talking about changing his name to Max Power. Power. And he um, yeah, he, but, he starts uh, singing along to it in the Goldfinger theme tune. It's brilliant. Massively underrated player, Max Power. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you've got to play him in the right way. And Phil Parkinson and uh, Jack Ross probably didn't. If Lee Johnson does get the most out of him, he'll be dangerous. They've had a kind, they've had a bit of a problem at fullback. I think um, they've had Denver Hume, uh, Conor McLaughlin, Callum McFadson uh, playing there uh, over time. I, I, again, none of them are particularly convincing, and I think we saw that at our place last season. Um, and they're on a terrible run, really. I mean, okay, they they won in midweek two one at Oldham, um, in the uh, Papa John's Trophy. I'll not be disrespectful, but you know they played, but they virtually played a, a really strong side: McLaughlin, uh, Flanagan, Bailey Wright, who was at Bristol City, the central defender. So they've got a good side. I also like some of their subs, some of the fringe players. I really like George Dobson. He was a West Ham youth. Um, really like Elliot Embleton. He was at Grimsby. I actually presented him with his PFA Player of the Month award at their cheap side training ground. Um, he was a nice guy. Drives a Mercedes though. He's about nineteen, so clung. Um <laughs> But you know, I don't. Do they? He virtually played the same first team. Sorry. That's really tickled me. That has. He played. He played a really strong first team at Oldham and one two one. Um, yeah, in the football league trophy, uh, a team that um, you know, they should have beat, and then it was you know the Oldham side wasn't at full strength. They did lose at home to Wigan in his first game. They are without. Um, if you take away the football league trophy win, they they were without a win in seven prior to that. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to play them. We've said that so many times this season, but it is because it would have been a better time to play them last weekend. Because mm. Lee Johnson wouldn't have any any time with them, uh, but it is a good time. I can actually see a draw. I think that they're they're actually a, a tough team to break down, pound for pound. They're probably you know on paper for if somebody was to say who's got the better squad, pound for pound, it's probably them. But then isn't that a reflection of how far we've come that we're saying? Yeah, oh, we've got it. You've got to break it down to that point. Yeah, it's it's probably the team that spent like four million pound on a striker two years ago, and who were playing champ, who were playing Premier League football the same year that we were losing at Welling. They've probably got a better squad than us now. <laughs> um, and you know, what is a better squad? Is it looking down a list of players going, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's Ebenezer good, or is it looking down um, a squad, uh, a list of performances going? 
Lincoln outplayed them. Lincoln won that game. Lincoln created chances there. So, yeah, I think, like you said at the top of the conversation, and we've managed to string it out to 15 minutes, um, but it is a great marker because you go out, if you go out and win this game, you know, 11 points clear of Sunderland at this stage of the season. I said, I think at the beginning of the season, if you beat, if you finish above Sunderland, you're probably getting promoted. Well, you know, 11 points clear of them uh, going into two Christmas games. And, you know, this is the only game in, in, in a run of fixtures that I thought looked not difficult. That would be offensive to other opposition. But after this Shrewsbury, Northampton and Burton, they're three games that we should be winning. You know, if we take nine points from the next four games, that would be phenomenal. Um, for me, Sunderland's a free hit. You know, if you if you get a result against Sunderland, you can afford to go to Northampton and be kicked off the park and maybe battle to a draw. So, yeah, interesting times. Yeah, I mean, i I don't want to I don't want to say shall we predict some stuff because it's it, it's the kind of game that I just want to I just want it to get here and you know have it on the telly and and just enjoy it. You know, obviously, yeah, we still need to wait and uh, wait and see what happens with the other stuff in terms of getting back in but um yeah interesting times and like you say the fact that we're you're having to nitpick the teams to say well who's got the better team out of, who's got a better squad out of lincoln sunderland phenomenal stuff um ipswich ipswich and portsmouth this weekend as well yes so there's, a, there's a six pointer all around us um yeah. Which, was it, uh, did, we, did we say last week? Is it Ipswich that have got the, the? No, it's Portsmouth. They've got a really difficult run, haven't they, over Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was coming into this game. Um, so it's mm. Ipswich and Portsmouth. They ho- they host Fleetwood on Tuesday. Portsmouth do, which is uh, which is a tough one. I mean, looking down the fixtures, other than that, most of the top teams. I mean, Holler at Blackpool, which is pretty tough, and then a week on Saturday. Uh, and I am looking on the internet now, but I'm doing it without clicking my mouse, um, but <laughs> foolishly then revealing myself by telling you uh, and padding out because my internet is so slow. Um, <laughs> so on Saturday, the 19th of December, when Sunderland travelled to Shrewsbury, this is ridiculous. Honestly, where's Nick Proctor's internet speeds when you want them? <laughs> so anyway, uh, on the 19th of September, uh, December, rather, um, Peterborough have got Ipswich. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, you know, is, is another one in and around us, which is is going to be tough. Can't see Portsmouth there. We must play on another day. Um, yeah. So you know, the thing is, when you're in our position, um, top teams are always going to be playing each other because you know you're looking at the top ten and you want any of those to be playing. Yeah. But if we just keep looking after ourselves, we'll be all right. But I think that's the thing. Like you know, we we need to. There's a lot of you know. There's always a lot of focus on other teams, but. I think Michael's got it drilled into the players that you don't need to bother about that. You know, you just focus on yourself, like you say, and and see what happens. Because as long as we keep playing the way that we are doing, and as long as you know, as long as the guys keep doing what they're doing, it, it's it's an exciting time to be a Lincoln City fan. It really is. Incidentally, remember me calling Blackpool as potential promotion contenders at the beginning of the season? Not at all. Don't remember that. No, Have you no not, way. Not seen the run that they've been on recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i can't even count it up one two <laughs> three four five six seven eight nine nine wins one draw and a win on penalties and two defeats not bad is it and in that time they've beaten peterborough away portsmouth at home fleetwood away so 
again not bad at all and we've already been there and beaten them so it's one of those where nobody can see me but <laughs> slapping my palms <laughs> job done come to Sinsel Bank you'll get fuck all <laughs> Um, right. Okay. Well, while we're, you know, while we're um, on the subjects of previewing, I, I don't know how much benefit there is to looking towards Shrewsbury because obviously we've just played them. But like I said, it was a second string against what you could potentially consider a second string from us. <sighs> hmm. Obviously we're at home. It's going to be a different game. That's a game that, I mean, you know, based on Tuesday, we should be winning. Yeah, Shrewsbury have got a tough run. They've got Hull, Us, Sunderland and Doncaster. Um, away at Hull, away at Us and away at Doncaster. So they've got a tough run coming up. Um, when you look at their team, there's one or two players that will almost certainly play who did not play. Uh, Aaron Pierre, the defender, is somebody that I really like. Rochelle Williams did come on later on. Um, Ollie Norburn in the midfield and Josh Vailer, both really, really good players. Daniel Udo. Um, is another one as well. And they drew 1-1 with Charlton. You know, looking back, they've drawn with Charlton, they've drawn with Accrington, they've drawn with Swindon, um, they beat Crewe. They, you know, they are capable of pulling out a result and I, they will be smarting when they come to us. Um, mm. The best thing that could possibly happen is that they beat Hull on, on Saturday uh, because you know, they would probably look at those two games and go, we took two points from that, we'd be happy. So if they took three from Hall, they might come to us with a bit of complacency. Um, it might also help that we're playing them on a Tuesday and that they've, you know, some of their first team players, the likes of Ebanks Landel, excuse me, and Roshaw Williams did get 45 minutes against us as well. So um, it will be interesting. Look, the, the, the pure fact of the matter is, irrespective of what we do against Sunderland, we should be beating Shrewsbury. And I don't think there's a Lincoln fan listening to this who, if I was to say Wednesday morning we can wake up and have four points from them two games, wouldn't go, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, but also I don't think there's a Lincoln fan who deep down, given how we've been playing, would be disappointed with anything less than six. And, you know, again... <laughs> Yeah, that's it's complacency, it's confidence, it's cockiness, it's whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're second in the table, Shrewsbury are bottom. We've just dismantled them four-one. There's every opportunity, there's every chance that we should um, should be beating them comfortably on Tuesday. But we all know that's not how football works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, right, okay. Well, there's the uh, that that's the games done. I think obviously the other thing to really talk about at the minute is the uh the pizza trophy draw the you know papa john's trophy draw um at home to accrington i'm pleased it's a home tie that's all i'm going to say on the matter i think it's uh yeah i'm pleased that we've got a home tie in a cup game yeah, I mean, don't matter because we probably can't be there. I was a bit disappointed actually in uh, Shrewsbury and that you know they could have had two thousand fans in if you haven't watched your team for however long and there was only three hundred in there. Yeah, it was um, a bit surprising. But then I, I you know, it, let's say whenever we play Accrington, it, it, whenever it is next month, if we've got Peterborough on the Saturday and let's say we play Accrington the Tuesday before, how many people are going to put their name down for Accrington? Think if we were allowed in, thinking. If I get it, I'm going to definitely not be in the ballot for Peterborough. There might have been a little bit of that in it. But mm. for me, you put your name down for every game. And if you get it, bonus. And, you know, then you just miss the next one. So uh, it's a decent draw. Accrington um, are a tough side. You know, the, arguably one of the toughest that we could have drawn out at this stage. Mm. But 
we beat them, you know, last in the competition last time. We've already played them in the league, and you know they didn't particularly have anything that concerned me. Mm. Um, I mean, they're on a fantastic run. I don't know, um, you know, I don't know quite how they do it on the budget that they've got, but you know they're on a they're on a great run. They've they've only lost um, in the last time they lost in the league was seventeenth of October, and that was against Ipswich. But they have played fewer games than everybody else. Um, mm. Yeah, and then. I think I think that was pointed out to me the other day. Actually, you know, you've got. I think if they were, you know, I think if they win their games on hand, then I think they'll be basically up with us. Which is, I think they'll be on the same points as us if they if 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 yeah if yeah. they won their games in hand. They've played thirteen and have got twenty six points. We played fifteen and are on thirty two. So yeah, if they won theirs, they would be level with us. Um, but they've got five fewer goals, so they would have to win by two and three. They've still only um, scored nine goals at home and nine goals away, so they're not massive scorers. But I suppose that's in two fewer games. But it's their home record is good. Uh, played five, drawn one, lost one, which is actually better than ours, which is won five, lost two. Yeah. Um, so they played the same amount of home games as us. So crucially, both of their games in hand are away games. Right. Um, so again, you know, something I keep expecting to see Accrington fall away. Um, I may well be made to eat my words because they're very organised. They're good at what they do. They play football um, in in a certain style, which which suits them, which they get the best out of their players. Um, but I just wonder if when January rolls around and some teams can start strengthening, um, Accrington financially might not be in that position. Mm. Uh, you got to take your hat off to them you know they're doing oh, phenomenally well but yeah. it's a home tie it's a massive opportunity i think to progress um to what would be i think the quarterfinals so mm. wembley looms indeed um but just just a quick one actually you know we've obviously said about shrewsbury getting fans in and you know only being 300 there am i right in thinking that there is no chance for us to have any fans in the ground this year because i i was under the impression that i think liam said something before about if we were to go into one of the tiers that allows fans to come back in we would need to have um we need to have a test event to prove that they can do it and obviously the first chance of a test event would probably be the boxing day game because we don't have a we don't have a home game after the tiers get rejigged or whatever it is so i think that's next week that they get re-announced and the 16th so then the first test event that we could have would be the 26th, which is obviously the Boxing Day game. So potentially the first game back for fans, if everything goes right, my understanding is that it could be the Peterborough game. OK, um, I'd, I'd be honest, I haven't looked into it because I don't think there's a cat and house chance that Lincoln's coming out of Tier 2. Uh, tier to 3. Be honest. Tier 3, rather, going into yeah. Tier 2. I, I, I can't see it happening, sadly. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they didn't have test events when the tiers were announced last time. So, for instance, Charlton are allowed fans straight in. Wimbledon had to have a test event at Plough Lane, though. So they didn't have supporters in for their okay. first game. So I, I, I don't I'm know. Sure there was, I'm sure there was something mentioned about that at, by by Liam at some point. Because I know that there, there was, you know, when it when the announcement was made initially, there was a lot of excitement about it. And he said, well, OK, let's just temper it. Let's we need to do this first, then we need to put this in place, and then we need to have a test event. And it was, I think a lot of people seem to be getting quite excited about the fact they might be able to get into the stadium on Boxing Day. And it's like, well, let's just, you know, again, temper your expectations a little bit and 
keep your fingers crossed for next year, I think. Yeah. So. Right, I've just I've just done a done a post um on the Stacy West and it's not loading. I think there's too many people trying to look at it at the same time. Uh which is probably me needing to up my storage. <laughs> anyway, um so is there anything else that we need to talk about before we disappear for the week? Uh, I don't think so. I can't really think of anything, to be honest. I sound pretty disinterested in that, but I'm not. I'm just tired. <laughs> um, you see, when you're tired, Gaz, I give you sympathy and say, oh, hope you're all right, mate. When I'm tired, prayer. when I'm tired, you take the piss consistently for three you're tired weeks. tired like a pregnant track. girl. And that's not sexist because men can't get pregnant. Um, I don't know, mate. You should see my belly during lockdown. It's probably. Well, <laughs> I, I actually looked in my uh, in my mirror the other day and looked like I was wearing one of those comedy fat suits. <laughs> and I was actually naked at the time when I looked in the mirror. I was like, "Ooh, God, look at that!" I can I can actually uh, if I squeeze my uh, my man boobs together, I can actually make a cleavage. I've been able to do that for years, mate. It's not, it's just fine. It's, no, it's nothing, it's nothing impressive, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to me when you can get a penis between it. <laughs> okay, now I'm not going to try that. Put no, I'm not going to let you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask, you won't get. Oh dear, but I, I just want to say actually a quick, um, a quick thanks to, uh, to your mate Pete, um, for, for, <laughs> for suggesting last week to, uh, to Alan um that i i should be involved in the quiz last week because uh, i came away with a pair of conor mcgrandall's boots yeah but they're both signed so you could split them and give you one of your best podcast mate one Nah, johnny's johnny's not into football yeah oh, god he's a johnny a made-up friend <laughs> um <laughs> i actually i messaged pete when i saw you put on facebook i was just like he's burned you there and uh <laughs> and you know what he messaged back with Fair play, <laughs> fair play, and an applauding uh, emoji. Like, yeah, he has. I, I genuinely thought that he was putting it on there to, you know, to drop me in it because I'd be against you in the quiz. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought he's he's done that sarcastically, and I, you know, cheers. I've uh, I've actually come away quite quite well off with that one. So the thing is, I know for a fact he's done it sarcastically because everything Pete does from the minute he opens his eyes to the minute he goes to bed, he's, he's probably tempered by some form of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair actually. Although he'll um, love me telling this story and it's not football related, but if he, if Pete was cruel to you, we were on our dog walk the other day and not we, I was on the dog walk. We normally speak to each other a couple of times a week while we're walking the dogs. Cause he walks at the same time uh, and I'm walking and he's going, we're just chatting. He goes, oh, hang on. He goes, this this bank looks a little bit, it looks a little bit muddy. He said, I'm, I'm not sure I might end up on my fork. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, you're not going to believe it. He goes, I've just landed. He goes, I've slid down this and I've landed on my ass. And he sent me a picture and he was absolutely caked in mud, like all completely caked in mud. So he's then had to go and wash his hands in a lake so he's put his hands in the lake he's washed his hands we've finished our conversation i've gone away chuckling thinking you know i, I don't revel in my friend's misfortune but it, it was funny at the time and he, he rang me back and I thought, that's odd it's, you know we've just spoken you're all right mate he goes yeah he goes i've just realized he goes um or he, he hadn't just realized he goes i i'd lost my wedding ring he said when i've put oh, my shit. hand in the lake his wedding ring has come off so he's had to go back into the lake 
stripped down, roll his trousers up to his knees and wade into the lake in the freezing cold water looking for his wedding ring to find his wedding ring. I mean, he was not happy. And yeah, I love Peter Bits. He's one of my closest friends. I've known him for years and years and years. But I laughed and laughed till I nearly weed. <laughs> I did. Fair enough. Because I know, I know that if I did exactly the same thing, you'd he get the same laugh treatment. Oh, hundred percent, without a doubt, yeah. Because let's face it, there is no misfortune quite as amusing as your close friend's misfortune. Totally, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I've also, uh, alongside that, I also uh, was was given the chance to uh, to choose one item of clothing from the new range, which we've actually completely neglected to talk about. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I'm going to pick up a hoodie at some point. But I actually quite like some of that stuff. It's nice. Yeah, I've not seen any of it in person. But well, yeah, I mean, obviously from the photos that we've, you know, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. and stuff. I, I actually quite like it. I think it's uh, it's quite a nice idea. So best of luck to the club with that one. And um, yeah, should be good. And uh, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but just want to give a massive shout out to uh, Terry Hibbard as well. Okay, is he is he giving you a bunch of stickers too? absolutely not no but if anyone does have any panini 2020 swaps or would be interested in swapping panini 2021 which dropped today booyaka uh, <laughs> um, it is never like i know i know Stu wells has clipped you saying bad man ting bad but man if ting. somebody could clip gaz doing booyaka i mean i could probably do it to be fair i'm the one editing the podcast yeah. that is going to be a ringtone right there <laughs> the thing is i walked into tesco i walked into the co-op today i went to get um stuff for the full english that i'm actually in trouble for having fees away the first day fees away at cambridge in two months and i do a full english for lunch um and i walked into to uh to the shop and it's like panini 2021 and like the inner child in me which which to be fair lives at the surface anyway kind of when i'm having that uh and i'm having 10 packs of stickers and i came home and i like sat there opening them and the 2020 album which i bought a full box for is still sat on the side and just sat there and, and i finished sticking the stickers in and then i took a long hard look at myself in the mirror um and i liked what i saw I was going to say, and you went, that's all right, that. Yeah, I went, I went oh, I'm wearing a comedy fat suit. Why am I naked at 12 in the afternoon? But, you know, you live on your own, so. <laughs> I don't live on my own, do I? I live with Fee, so. There we go. So I think it's time to end this. I'm I was going to say, let's let's call it there. Um, we will, you know, we'll obviously enjoy the game on Saturday, hopefully enjoy the game on Tuesday, and we will see you all next week. Enjoy. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.